You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Well, we continue on in our study of the Gospel of Luke. And of course, now we're jumping to the very end of Luke. We'll go back to where we have been um, in the next several weeks, but we're gonna today jump to the end of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24. And on this day, some 2,000 years ago, a group of women went to Jesus' tomb to anoint his body with um, spices, perfumes, what have you. And they walk into this tomb that's now empty. The stone has been rolled away, and two angels appear to them, as Luke 24 tells us. And they say to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is risen, just like he said he would. And so these female disciples in their excitement run back to tell the other disciples. And Luke goes on to tell us that the 11 disciples, because remember at this point, Judas had taken his life out of guilt and shame and betraying Jesus. So now there's 11 of the original 12 disciples and some others, it tells us, who were gathered there. The women show up, they tell them what they've seen and the other disciples go, eh, no, not happening. No, not buying. Don't believe it. And presumably with the story we're gonna look at today of two disciples now traveling from Jerusalem to this little town called Emmaus, they were in the room with those 11 disciples when the women showed up and told them the tomb is empty, he is risen. And so now we join the story with them spin cycling and processing and trying to figure out what really has happened. And as we prepare to dive into this story, I thought the current stories going on in our community uh, were very relevant. This is what I saw in the news feed yesterday of just what's happening locally. Gresham woman runs over husband and gets sentenced to six years in prison. Drunk driver crashes, one-year-old injured. Map of Portland's 31 gang shootings so far this year. Suspects sought in the shooting of Damien Lillard's brother. What we're gonna look at today has profound implications for how we understand what's going on in this world around us. Because as Jesus followers, as Christians, as those who believe in the reality of the resurrection, we look at news feeds like this and we shake our heads and say, well, yeah, we're not surprised. Because Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. Because this is a broken world filled with broken people. In many ways, Christians are the most pessimistic people you'll ever meet because we're not surprised by brokenness. We expect it to happen. We know it will happen. But on the other side of that, Christians are also the most optimistic people in the world because we believe in a God who is redeeming and repairing and restoring and changing this world to what he always intended it to be. As bad as this life can be, it will get better. As good as this life can be, it will get better. I would submit to you that as Christians, we are the most realistic people in the world. We're not pessimists in that we don't always focus on what's negative, but at the same time, we recognize and realize the world's broken. But on the other side, we are optimists and we are eternal optimists because we know that God is at work redeeming, restoring, repairing, renewing this world. 
And it all goes back to what we remember and celebrate today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how does this move from being a story to really being a reality in your life and mine? Well, we're gonna get some help from this story that we're going to see today and how these two disciples respond to Jesus. And this story proves that God has a sense of humor because there is so much irony in this story. These two disciples are gonna be talking to Jesus and they don't know it. For most of their exchanges with disciples that were, with Jesus that we're gonna read, they have no idea, they're completely clueless that it's Jesus who has shown up incognito. It looks like the ultimate April Fool's joke. But he's not toying with them. He's testing them to see what they truly believe about him and then he's gonna teach them and help them to believe. And in that process, we are gonna learn some invaluable truths about what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. So, I'm gonna read the story to you. It'll be on the screens behind me, and then we're gonna come back and work our way through it. Now that, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what, he had said, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were gonna go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and they said, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bed. Bread. Oh, there is so much here in this story. So let's begin to work our way through it. It tells us in the very beginning that God himself kept them from recognizing 
Jesus. So this is on purpose. And so they have no idea that it's Jesus who they're talking to. And actually, it's, it's quite comical. It is funny. So Jesus says, what you talking about, basically, knowing full well what they're talking about. And this is what Cleopas says to him. Are you clueless? Are you from another planet? Do you not have a smartphone? Have you not asked Alexa? How in the world do you not know what is going on? I mean, consider this. Imagine later today you're out taking a walk after your Easter festivities with, with whatever that has been or you, know, you hop in an Uber to go you know, downtown or you're on Max headed somewhere and someone comes up and they just begin to talk to you about something that everybody knows about, that everybody understands and they start asking you these questions and so they have no idea that this is Jesus and Cleopas just basically called God clueless, right? But then Jesus, what things are you talking about? So how did they do? He was a prophet. Was Jesus just a prophet? No, we looked at this reality last week. Jesus never claimed to be a prophet. He was so much more than a prophet. He is, he was the son of God. But look at the tense here. We had hoped. You see, they have no hope. That's why they're looking at the ground, kind of kicking the dirt as Jesus is talking to them. And that is why they're heartbroken. And that is why they're disappointed. Because they get the reality that if there is no resurrection, all hope is lost. And this is how the late astrophysicist Stephen Hawking put this. He died this last month, but this is what he said. We are each free to believe what we want. And it's my view that the simplest explanation is that there is no God. No one created our universe. No one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization. There is probably no heaven and no afterlife either. And if there is no resurrection, that is exactly true. He's right. If the resurrection is a fable, is a fairy tale, is a legend or a myth, as it often gets reduced to by those who don't believe, then that's right. There really is no hope. As the Apostle Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians 15, eat, drink, and be merry, because this is all there is. Live each day to the fullest, because it's not going to get any better. That's basically what Katrina was helping us see in this sketch that we just saw together. Apart from Jesus and the resurrection, there really isn't much hope. So get as much as you can out of today because not only is tomorrow not promised to you, it's probably gonna be worse and there is no hope once you die. Really? But the resurrection of Jesus flies in the face of all that. And so Jesus begins to help them understand that the whole Bible really is about him. In fact, what Jesus would, stay, would say to Stephen Hawking, who now knows, by the way, there is a God, how foolish you are. And that's what scripture consistently says. You deny God, you deny the resurrection of Jesus, you are profoundly foolish. And then Jesus begins to take them through the entire Old Testament. Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, I won't say all of them for you, but 
he shows in every single book that he has alluded to, he has referenced, he makes an appearance, he has taught about. Jesus is literally in every single book of the Bible, Old Testament and New, because it's his story. People sometimes say the Bible is our story. No, not really. We're part of the story. The Bible is about God. It is God's story. It's Jesus' story. And so he's helping them understand and, and get this and see this and understand they still don't know it's him. Here's this profoundly brilliant, wise man who is helping them see Jesus in every book of the Bible. They have no idea it's Jesus himself. And so it says that they're continuing to travel together and Jesus evidently was gonna continue to travel on, but in Near Eastern hospitality, they say, no, 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 you have to stay with us. Let's, let's have a meal together. So they have presumably dinner that night and this is another irony in this story. Jesus is the guest at this dinner and he takes it over. You'd never do this in first century culture. You're invited to a dinner as a guest, you're a guest. You don't take it over and begin to preside at the meal, but that's exactly what he does. He takes the bread and he breaks it and that's when they recognize it was him. And then a great question is, how did that happen? Why was that the defining moment? Could it be that they were at the Last Supper with the 12 disciples and Jesus? Maybe, but doesn't seem to say they were. Could they have seen the incredible miracle that we just looked at a couple weeks ago, the feeding of the 5,000 people when Jesus, and it was actually more than that, but when Jesus broke the bread and distributed the fish and there was enough to feed thousands and thousands of people? We're not sure, but this was the defining moment where they recognized this is Jesus. He is risen from the dead. And this is one of the realities that we begin to understand as we look at all of these stories, all of these resurrection appearances by Jesus, is that he constantly shows up giving people what they need in order to believe. Mary needs to touch him, he lets her touch him. Thomas wants to put his hand in his side, he lets him put his hand in his side. Others need instruction and explanation like Cleopas and this other disciple. That's what he gives them. You see, the reality is no one wants us to see God more than God himself. Look at what links he goes to to help Cleopas and the disciple get it and understand it. He literally does this incredible Bible study. Wish I could have been a fly on the wall for that. Don't you? And he walks them through the whole Old Testament. It's remarkable, but they needed his help. You see, at the end of the day, evidence really is not enough for you to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because Jesus himself said so. On a number of occasions, Jesus said this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. The reality is, you and I, we need God's help in order to believe. Just like Cleopas and the disciple did, who had all this evidence, and yet it still wasn't enough. Because evidence in and of itself isn't enough. You have to have this willingness to receive God's help. And to your credit, the reality that you are in a church service today shows that you are 
receiving God's help. Because when you begin to ask questions about is there a God, could Christianity be true? Did the resurrection actually happen? That is proof, that is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in your life and that's God himself drawing you to himself. Those aren't coincidences. That is God's work in your life. The fact that you're here is evidence that this God is trying to reveal himself to you, wants you to see him, wants you to understand him, wants you ultimately to believe. Now again, let's go back to our story. Remember, appreciate, understand, Cleopas and this disciple, they don't know it's Jesus who is opening the Old Testament to them and explaining who Jesus is. And yet there's this attitude of humility, teachability, willingness to hear and to consider and to think critically and to listen. Are you like that? Or to put it another way, do you have doubts? And is doubting a sin? Did Cleopas and the other disciple have doubts? Oh yeah. Many, evidently. Did Thomas have doubts? What do we call him? Doubting Thomas. And with Thomas, or with the story that we looked at today, did Jesus condemn them for their doubt? And the answer, no. No. He was frustrated with them. He said, how foolish and slow you are to believe because they, had, they did have all this evidence. They had more evidence than you and I will ever, ever have. But then he helped them. He didn't condemn them. He helped them see him for who he really is. Friends, there is an enormous difference between doubt and unbelief, and it's very important you understand the difference between the two because the lines can blur when it comes down to you and me and what we really think and believe. Doubt is the lack of something. It is the honest wrestling with a vacuum of belief that you're having. You're, you're trying, you're wrestling, you're trying to figure it out. Unbelief, however, is not the lack of something. It is the presence of something. It is the attitude that says, I will not believe. It is what we just read in the quote from Stephen Hawking. That is unbelief. God has seemingly unlimited patience with those who are struggling, wrestling, doubting to believe. But God has very limited patience with those who will not believe. So, do you believe? And if you don't, why not? What is it you need to believe? Because the first step to believing, ironically, is admitting that you don't. Could it be that Jesus did not reveal his identity to Cleopas and the other disciple when he asked them to explain what had happened earlier that day with his resurrection? Because he wanted them to be honest and authentic and real. Would they have been that open if they would have known it was Jesus? Or would, would they have said what they thought Jesus wanted to hear? Believing means being honest with yourself and honest with God. But what if God knew that I have doubts? He already does. And you see, God does not love you because of your behavior. 
He loves you because he is the savior. And belief is a journey. Just like that journey 2,000 years ago with those two disciples and Jesus on that road. So where are you at in that journey this morning? And if you're wrestling and struggling to believe, then why? What is the help that you need? Ask for it. Because no one wants you to see Jesus more than Jesus does. Because at the end of the day, you have to choose how you're going to respond to his help. And yes, it means to believe in him. But please understand, belief is more than mental assent. Belief translates to trusting and obeying him with your life. It means that you see and recognize him for who he says he is, not what our culture says, not what circumstances say, but who he says he is. And then you choose to follow him with your life. Because one of the things we can run up against is this idea that, well, you know, I, 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 yeah, I believe in the resurrection. Yeah, I believe Jesus was who he said he was. But if we're really honest, you don't trust and obey him. I mean, maybe you come to church once, twice a year, Christmas, Easter, or, you know, maybe more than that. Try to be a good person. The Bible says, though, that good people aren't good people. They're blind people. The person who says, I'm good. I'm a good person. No, I don't need Jesus. I'm good. Is actually blind, according to what Jesus says. Yes, there's goodness in all of us because we're made in the image of God. But really, if we're honest, if we're realistic, there is brokenness not just in the news headlines, there's brokenness in me and there's brokenness in you. We all start out in the same place. Left to our own, yeah, we really are sinful people. By that meaning, we're selfish, self-focused, self-absorbed, and tend to default to making life all about us, apart from Jesus Christ. And not only is it an unfulfilling way to live, it's a disobedient way to live, and ultimately, we leave God no choice but to judge us for that when he so badly wants to bless us and give us life and help us become who he originally created us to be through believing in Jesus. And it all comes back to his resurrection. Was what happened 2,000 years ago today, give or take, a reality? Did it really happen? Because if it did, it changes everything. It means that as bad as things can be in this life, and man, can they be bad and difficult and hard, they are going to get better. And it means that as good as things can be in this life, they're gonna get better because of Jesus. But don't take my word for it. This is a story from Melissa Lee that really captures so much of what we've talked about here this morning. So let's watch this together.
So my name is Melissa Lee. I am a single mom of two beautiful young boys. I'm mixed with half Thailand and half African American. I was raised Buddhist and um, actually just came, started going to Grace Community Church December 24, 2017. My hobbies are basically being a soccer mom. Um, so that takes up a lot of my time and energy, which I enjoy um, spending time with my boys. Um, I also love to clean. Um, so, I mean, just spending time cleaning the home, spring cleaning, perfect time for that, which is heaven for me right now. <laughs> So like many people, um, I've had struggles throughout my life. Um, my parents separated when I was two, going through you know, physical abuse through the age of 16. Um, finally, you know, moved out here to the United States, um, met, got married, um, went through divorce in 2007. My friend recommended uh, um, Tyler Perry's play. And so I watched all of that and that was my first true introduction to Jesus. Fast forward a couple years later um, with my second son, um, his dad got diagnosed with bipolar schizophrenia and was abusive. Um, with that, it ended up homeless. With all the pain that I went through, I dr was driving one day and you know just drove into a church and it, it was yet another you know Christian-based church. Um, so that got me through a really a really tough time. Once again, you know life takes over. Fast forward recently now. This past year, I was diagnosed with a heart condition of April of last year. Still going through that, no work. Um, just going through a, a lot of a lot of struggles. And my son's um, after-school teacher, um, you know, started praying for me. You know, one day after she heard my story, and she recommended um, for me to visit Grace Community Church. That happened to be Christmas. Um, you know, this Christmas time. So I, I did attend, and honestly, I was just looking for a warm meal. Um, but just attending the service and listening and, and seeing how welcoming everyone is and the love that, that was there, it just inspired me to keep coming back. I wanted to learn more. With that, on January 7th, after um, Jay's sermon of the New Year's resolution and um, repentance, um, I, just, I, I just felt relieved and up, uplifted and I was so humbling that I, you know, accepted Jesus into my life. Since then, since that day, everything has changed. I still have struggles like everyone else. Um, you know, Jesus has provided more and above and beyond that I could ever have imagined. There's gonna be times that you have to fight through everything, but just knowing that He is there and I just keeping Him in my heart with me all the time, I know that I can get through everything. Before, you know, accepted Jesus into my life, I felt lost. I felt like the world was just crumbling on me, you know, time and time again, like the waves keep, kept crashing. I start to lose hope. Um, went to a dark place for, for a little bit. Just by stepping into church that day, really turned me around and changed my life. Um, now I see, you know, I have hope and I, I don't have to carry the burden all by myself um, just praying every day and I pray all day long um, and it just lifts I just give it to Jesus and he has turned the he has turned things around and gave me the strength and power to fight
now you know Melissa's story. So what's yours? Some of you, probably many of you, you believe in the resurrection. You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you know like Melissa knows and like Katrina illustrated for us in that sketch that you see life through a different lens when you know Jesus. But it isn't just a change in perspective. Jesus changes you. He makes you into who he always intended you to be. And that means he gives you joy and peace and hope and freedom. You don't have to settle for brokenness in your life anymore. Yes, you struggle and do battle with it on a daily basis, but you're progressively growing and becoming more into the person he's created you to be because of what we celebrate today, because of the resurrection. And so I want to encourage you in this time as we worship together, those of you who know him, love him, we have communion tables off to the sides, please go and have a meal with Jesus like the disciples did. Break the bread and Remember the juice that represents his body and his blood and what he's done for you on the cross and what that means for you now. And there may be some of you who are here today and you, you realize you don't believe. You never have, if you're honest. But you want to. We want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus into your life right now as we pray together. And before I do so, you know, there are some of you who, yeah, you don't believe and you're not quite yet ready to believe. Then keep wrestling with God. We open the scriptures like Jesus did with those disciples every Sunday. Come and open the scriptures with us and let God speak to you and open your eyes to who he is. Think critically, ask questions, be honest about your doubts, but don't give up on the journey. There's another common denominator that runs through all the stories about Jesus' resurrection. Not only did he do what needed to be done for each person to be able to follow him and believe in him, but that always happened in community. What was the first thing Cleopas and that other disciple did when they realized it was Jesus? They ran back to Jerusalem and told the 11 disciples, and you see that happening over and over again because the reality is, we discover God in community. And we like you. We like having you around. And we would love to see you back because this is what we do every Sunday we gather for corporate worship. We open the scriptures together and we see and discover God together. So we hope that you will do that. May God bless you. And remember, he is risen. He is risen so go live for him. Happy Easter. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.